Hi, and welcome to Integrative Cancer Solutions with Dr. Carl Felt. A cancer diagnosis is one of the hardest slap in the face imaginable. All of a sudden, you have to become an expert in cancer and its treatments because your life depends on it. Oncologists, family and friends are pushing you towards chemo, radiation, surgery, yet you feel there are additional solutions out there. You don't feel confident in that only traditional therapies will take care of it. You may, as I have, seen family or friends quickly go downhill from harsh medical treatments. There is a better way. I invite you to listen to stories from real people fighting cancer successfully through powerful, integrative, and holistic methods. Learn what they did. This is my gift to you to make the learning curve less steep after your diagnosis. The information in this podcast could save your life as it has others. Well, whole Jeff Boothman, this is such a such a pleasure, and it's going to be so fun chatting with you today. Uh, you you wrote the book, how how to be a cancer patient, and yeah. and it's actually, I mean, that's it's it's so important because you, I mean, all of a sudden, like you said in the back of your book, there, I mean, you you do all this training, you know, for a little kid to you know, play soccer, you know, your, your, your five-year-old, yeah, gets through all this training and here you're kind of stepping into one of the hardest events in your life and you have no clue, you know, so, so that's why you wrote this book and it was such a incredible, I mean, I read through it and it was so detailed and kind of what to look for. And, and so, yeah, and I know we're going to talk a little bit more about the book, but first, I want to kind of hear a little bit about what inspired you to write this book. I mean, obviously, it was your own journey. Yeah. So, um, first of all, thanks for having me. It's great to to be able to talk to you in uh, in person. So, uh, thank you for that. Yeah. So, my the, I would say it was kind of born out of frustration and compassion, a little bit of each, right? So, I was certainly frustrated at just being kind of tossed to the wind. And I don't think it's a totally fair characterization, but mostly from a mental standpoint, right? You're not particularly well prepared by the medical community when you go through treatment. And so their focus is on the treatment and that's great. That's what they get paid for. Understand. Right. So there was certainly that frustration. I knew the way I was handling it and conducting myself was not productive, but I didn't really know what do I do different? Right. And, and then when I was inpatient at one point for one of my chemo sessions, I remember walking around on my floor at night and there was a, a lady in her room and she was just, she was just wailing and it wasn't any kind of medical situation. I mean, she just kind of lost it from a mental standpoint. And, you know, that to me is just like, look, I, I'm not going to be able to probably resolve that. I'm not a mental health professional, but if I can provide some framework for everyone to at least have a shot at reducing the stress of being a cancer patient and, and traversing a lot of different treatment, then it's um, that's a win for me. So if I can help one person, that's, that's a home run. So that's kind of how it was born. I'm uh, not a great writer, but although this is pretty plain spoken, so I kind of wrote the book like I'm talking to someone. Um, but yeah, that was that was what drove it. And I think, you know, it certainly resonated with a lot of people. I get a lot of nice notes and emails and whatnot. So it's been great. That's really been rewarding. So yeah, I mean, it's a very, very easy read. And it is very nicely structured and kind of going through some of the challenges. So tell, tell me a little bit about 
kind of your journey to start with? I mean, so what what happened? What what drove you to kind of check and see if something was was okay? Uh, how did you respond to kind of those words? You know, you have cancer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How did all of that go? So, yeah. So for me, my experience was kind of a little bit of a slow boil. So I had a tumor that was um, kind of above my hamstring on the back of one of my legs and it was growing. Um, didn't really bother me, but it had gotten to the point where it's like, eh, I probably should get this looked at. So I went to my uh, general practitioner and he immediately put me into uh, the James Cancer Center at Ohio State um, without knowing really what it was. He hadn't done anything other than, you know, touch it from the outside and say, yeah, this is something you need to have explored. So I went to the James and had first a needle biopsy that was inconclusive, uh, then a surgical biopsy that took um oh gosh almost a week to get to some kind of a conclusion and i remember going back to my surgeon and i said hey you know uh <laughs> how soon can we schedule the second surgery to actually take this tumor out and and his words to me he said something along the lines of well you know we may not remove it surgically we may let the medicine take care of it <laughs> and i'm like you know I got it. <laughs> Thanks for that. But they weren't sure even at the time. So um, long story short, they decided that they needed to take the tumor out along with a whole bunch of other tissue just to be safe. And then I got the good news that it was actually T-cell lymphoma. So then I had to start the chemo treatments and then they went back and, and I got some bonus radiation at the end on the, <laughs> the spot of the tumor. So it was uh, it was a slow boil. I would say that whole process from when I first went in to um, when I was finally given official diagnosis was probably almost a month mm-hmm. uh, with the, uh, you know, we'll let the medicine take care of it comment somewhere in there. So, yeah, I knew it was uh, probably not great. So but that was that was the path of it. A little different than a lot of people. Right. So. And and how did you, I mean, what was going on emotionally, mentally, kind of when going through all of that? Yeah, so the, look, my care team at Ohio State at the James was amazing, right? And, and they were very diligent in trying to get to the right answer, which sometimes isn't a quick process, right? So they weren't, I wouldn't say they're reassuring, like, oh, it's nothing, but they were, you know, very helpful and would provide all the information I asked for. But, you know, once I kind of knew that I had cancer, I'm like, you know, then the stress starts. Um, and I think for me, where it really got bad was when they told me I had the T-cell lymphoma, because that's that's a considerably bigger wall to climb than just, you know, here's a tumor, let's resect it and off we go. So, yeah. And that's, so, you know, I'm usually pretty decent with stress and I think what really kind of, you know, pushed me to the point to, I knew I wasn't being uh, very effective mentally was my first day in the hospital. And there was all these things going on and I wasn't prepared to ask the right questions and, and more stuff kept, kept coming. And I was surprised about a whole, it was just terrible. And I was, you know, I was really not in a good spot and I knew it, but I didn't know what to do about it. 
So how how do you feel? I mean, because I mean, it, it's exactly that. I mean, everything just becomes like a whirlwind. I mean, you, yeah. you hear the words, you got cancer, and then all of a sudden, it's yep. like you're you're put on this you know conveyor belt and just boom, 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 and yep. it, it's like you're not ready for each each section of that journey. So how how would a person kind of prepare themselves? I mean, they they hear those words. I mean, in your mind. What what should be kind of the next next step? I mean, what what should a person do? Yeah, your characterization of a conveyor belt. I wrote that down. I think that's a great way of of putting it. But the first thing for me was you, you just have to grab hold of all the things that are rattling around in your head. And because here's the thing, you're not able to be effective in advocating for yourself. You're not able to be effective in studying your course of treatment until you can think at least somewhat clearly. So that's really the first step, right? Get, I, I call it get yourself together, but it's, you need to go and and take whatever time you need to kind of process it. The, the whole fact that you're sick now and you got a little bit of a journey ahead of you, but more importantly, you got to go find a way to wrangle all those negative thoughts that are in your head that really prevent you from, prevent you from, Uh, being able to kind of act rationally, effectively, you know, productively, however you want to characterize it. So that's kind of first step. And, and, and how do you suspect, I mean, how would a person do that? I mean, it's, it's easy to say, but then how, how do you wrangle kind of your, I mean, here it's just things flying. You're thinking, you know, am I going to be there for my kids? Am I, you know, my wife, am I, you know, what, what's going to happen? I mean, how, How do you kind of lasso all of that in and, and yeah. kind of come from a place of power, so to say? Yeah. So so for me, in, in the first step, you have to kind of recognize that you're having these thoughts, right? Sometimes it's on autopilot and you don't even consciously think of the fact that that's what you're thinking about. And then for me, once I had the awareness that that's how I was thinking, it was more a point of knowing I, I knew it was a bad thing and rather, you know, initially you get angry about it. Look, I got to stop this. This is crazy. But once you can get to the point where you can have the thought and kind of let it pass, right. Then what I did is I would attach something to neutralize it or, or turn it around. Right. So, Oh, you know, my, uh, the survival for my type of cancer is, you know, X percent. And, you know, and then immediately attach something like, well, but I'm at one of the best treatment centers in the world. And, you know, they have experts and a whole team of people that are here to get me, get me well. So it was that process where, you know, you're not going to, you won't get there in 10 minutes or an hour, but you have to have the discipline to be able to just catch those thoughts, initially let them pass, let, give yourself the grace to have them and then work actively to kind of turn them around or at least neutralize them. So then when they come, it's not all consuming and you're able to think about and work on some of these other things you need to work on to be an effective patient. Yeah, that's huge. And so, I mean, so the mental game obviously is, is, is huge. I mean, that, that plays such a big factor. How about kind of the, the fiscal aspect? I mean, what, what are, are there certain things you feel that a person should consider prior to going into treatments or, Yeah. I mean, look, for me, I didn't really have the opportunity to kind of harden 
myself physically, you know, so exercise, spending a good couple of weeks eating right. So I had kind of gone from surgery to surgery to whatever. And, you know, I couldn't walk. I couldn't really do a whole lot of stuff very well. But I think, look, if you have the opportunity, that's the time, right? You know, take up, you know, do whatever you do to relieve stress, whether it's meditation or walks in the woods or whatever, right? Make sure that you're exercising and taking care of yourself, you know, as you can and then eat well, right? And I think, you know, my sense is there's other things out there that are, that are particularly helpful for a lot of people. But I mean, everyone, different responses, I think, resonate with different people. So whatever makes you comfortable. But those are the three things for me, you know, move, eat well, and, and start to calm your mind. If you can do that, that's a good place to start. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that that's huge. I mean, obviously, yeah, like you're saying, it's it's a it's an event. It's one of the biggest events in your life. And, and you want to kind of be in the right mind space and also physically you know yeah. I, I usually tell people that you know this is like your 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 super bowl you know and, and you, yeah. you need to step into it knowing that you know you got to be in the right headspace you know knowing that you know i'm the best player out there and i'm going to beat this and i'm going to win and also you want to be physically ready for the event you know you, yes. you, you can't just kind of step in and yeah. and you know i haven't prepared myself physically for this so uh, right. yeah i mean that that's huge and yeah. and so going through the journey i mean yeah. how how was that i mean you you mentioned kind of the your that one night you know walking around and and yeah you know, the, the lady kind of breaking down i mean how yeah what what do you feel that is important for people to know and to kind of expect and how to kind of maximize their journey through that process. Yeah. So, so there's really a couple other key things, right? The first one is you have to advocate for yourself. And I think when I reflected on it, a lot of times we're taught not to question doctors, right? And, you know, for me, it was never a question of, saying, well, you know, I think your diagnosis is wrong. Your treatment plan was wrong. It was more when I would advocate and question the doctors, like, well, why are we doing this? Right. And not in a way that says you're doing it wrong, but it's just, I need to understand. Right. So that, and then asking for, for different accommodations just to see if they're possible. Right. Sometimes they're not, sometimes they are, you know, Hey, I need a, a warm blanket. Okay. You know, hey, I'd like to, uh, you know, go out to the club, <laughs> you, know, you know, one night while I'm in inpatient chemo. Yeah, that's probably that's probably a no. Right. But you can at least ask. Right. So there's the whole point of advocating. The whole, then there's another point of just studying your treatment in and out. Right. OK, what exactly is going to happen? What's the medicine? What are the possible side effects? What are the you know other consequences of this? Right. To the point to where, you know, it's so well that you're able to somewhat let go. Right. Some of the things that are done to cancer patients are pretty, pretty rugged. Right. But you can reduce your stress by by knowing inside and out what you're going to under, you know, what treatment is going to be like and what could happen. And then the, the follow on with that and the third piece is have a plan. So everything doesn't always go right. So. If you're going to, you know, if there's a possibility of pain, there's a possibility of side effects, the time to figure out how you're at least going to first respond to it isn't when it happens. 
it's when someone tells you or you ask enough questions to figure out that it might happen, right? So I think those three pieces are kind of the next steps, at least from the way I look at it along the journey for any patient, right? Yeah, I, I think it, exactly what you're saying is that kind of putting yourself um, as the driver rather, rather than kind of being the one right. that, that is being driven. Right, yeah. So... And and obviously, you know, like you're mentioning, you you do have a, a team, and and you need to kind of rely on the team. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's when you take your car to the auto mechanic. I mean, you you're not going to tell the auto mechanic what to do, but you still right. want to know what's going to be done and right. why it's being done. Right. And you know, because you're you're still the customer, you're still the one deciding on you right. know whether something's going to happen or not. Right. So so what were some of the things that you Kind of know that that you thought that this I I wanted more information in regards to this I feel like I was not educated enough and yeah. uh, <laughs> a lot yeah the list is long and varied right so um, look I'll start with the first day right I'll give you two examples one of my first day in and um, they were telling me about my chemo cocktail and I'm like well there's and there was four pieces to it I'm like well what do they what do each of these do and the nurse is like well I think this does this. And I think this does this. And it really isn't her place to know. And so I pull my cell phone out. I'm going to call my doctor. And they, you know, that's a big no-no, right? <laughs> so I said, well, look, I'm not doing this until I understand what those four things are. And, you know, what they're going to, what's the purpose of them, right? So then they, you know, they went and got the pharmacy manager to come up and explain it, which was great. But it, for me, knowing what they were going to do, right, the whole intent is to poison you to a point to where all the bad stuff dies and, you know, you can live. I'm like, well, I, I kind of want to know what's what I'm, you know, going to have put in my veins. Right. So, you know, that's that's kind of one. And the other one's kind of a little bit more of a, a funny example is. So my my oncologist was uh, a hematology oncologist was going to refer me to a radiation doctor. So he he wanders through all these different doctors. Well, you know, what about this? And of course, I didn't know any of them. Right. So I just said, look, I want the smartest doctor. Right. And uh, of course, my wife didn't think that was a good way to characterize it at the time she was with me, but killed over, you know, embarrassment. But the reality is. You know, I didn't know anything about it, right? I trusted him at the time. And, you know, it's another case of not knowing. I wasn't certainly going to be able to have the time or, or energy or research uh, to be able to research these different uh, alternatives in terms of radiation docs. So I just said, give me the smartest one, right? So those are two kind of responses to unknowns that you could have in a way to kind of advocate for yourself. So. So I'm, you know. I'm curious in regards to the chemo. I mean, did you understand? Because obviously there are a gazillion different chemos out there. Yeah. And so did you get to understand why they picked those specific chemos for you? Yeah. 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 And could I reflect it back to you now today? No, probably not. But at the time, you know, when you're studying it and you're deep into it. Yeah, absolutely. So it made perfect sense. And, you know, I guess in these cocktails, right, there's always a balance. They have, you know, one thing that does this, one thing that does that. And so, yeah, I mean, I was able to understand it, certainly not at a clinical level, but certainly at a layman's level enough to where I understood what they were trying to do and in, in, in a way that was going to relieve my stress. 
And that's really the most important thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and that kind of place of power, place of empowerment. I mean that that yeah. then then you don't feel the same anxiety or same, you know. Yeah. Yep. So when you kind of went through, you know, so they're they're telling you all these kind of potential reactions that you're gonna have, you yeah. know, some more likely than others. Yeah. How how did you kind of and and you're saying that you know when when you're learning that then kind of decide you know if that happens you yeah. know what what's going to be your plan of action if that happens yeah so what did you decide that you were going to do in case of xyz yeah so good question for me typically the the path would be you know here's a possible side effect then what happens here's a here's another thing and typically if it would happen, the immediate thing would be I would check in with the care team and say, okay, here was my option. Is this the only option still? Because sometimes it can change or it could go away, right? Well, you're not ready for that. Your condition doesn't doesn't warrant you being able to do that. But then, you know, more often than not, you just kind of move forward with that, right? It, the time, again, to me, the time to generate options is when you know that it's a possibility, not when you're in severe pain or whatever. And I think, you know, the other thing I learned is you just have to keep working the problem, right? So for me, one of the side effects I had was just unbelievable constipation. And, you know, well, I'll try this. Nope, didn't work. You know, what's next, right? What's next? Ask, keep asking. And then, you know, finally, um, you'd come to a, a point where there was kind of a different solution available okay fine right but that was never going to happen unless you know a i was prepared for it happening and worked my way through the initial solutions but then was strong enough to go and advocate and say look this is none of this is working we got to come up with a better answer and and obviously while you're in the middle of treatment a lot of times you you're not in the best space you know to sometimes try to figure things out yes. so the more you can kind of figure out ahead of time and yep. kind of make a decision tree prior to yep. you know the, the easier it is when you're in that place of weakness yep so, 100% 100% agree i think that's 100% correct tell tell me a little bit about kind of uh, resources in the hospital that that people may not kind of consider or think of that that is available that uh, you know you that's good to know about. Yeah, I think you know most most hospitals will have a chaplain or some kind of person of faith if that's uh, something that you're interested in. I think that's important. Certainly was to me. A lot of them will have kind of opt-in mental health services. So. You know, what I always tell people is if it just feels like it's too much, then you just need to raise your hand and say, look, I need help. And, and that's perfectly OK. And I think for me and I didn't know about this program at the time, but we we have a, a program at the hospital where I was treated where you can be paired up with kind of a cancer buddy. And typically they'll have someone that is um, had a similar diagnosis. Right. When they match people up. So that. I think is hugely helpful because you can talk to someone that has walked the path before you um, and ask questions in a different way. I think that you might your care team or, or even your caregivers or family members or friends or what have you. So um, 
I think that's hugely helpful if there's something along those lines. And and I I mean I yeah with with that I mean I I would assume that I mean because you're not going to be weak or most of the time you're not in that that bottom yeah correct <laughs> bottom, the trough, yeah. yeah at the same time you know yeah. so you you can then kind of support each other and yeah. you you know that the other individuals know what you're feeling and have been there and done that yeah. and yeah. so obviously that becomes more impactful than somebody you know that has really no clue i mean they logically may have a clue but mentally right. and emotionally they haven't yeah correct and i think most of the time they'll when they pair people up the patient will be paired up with someone who has substantially recovered so just just in that connection there's you know there's a bit of hope right hey this person have has or had exactly what i had and they are on their way or have made it through the other side, right? Just seeing that example in a real person sometimes is helpful. And and you mentioned kind of the chaplain. And so, you know, to me that the spiritual aspect is, is such an important part when you go through this journey, because you, you, you yeah. have to kind of look beyond your life almost, you know, look yeah. at something greater and bigger, you know, yeah. that, um, that you, you've kind of fit into somehow, you know, so how what kind of a role did that play in in your journey yeah so for me it was it was hugely helpful and you know for me i'm settled in my faith and so it's it was certainly much easier to just lead on that as a support right i think the challenge i always have in in talking to the talking about this with other people is not everyone's at the same place in their spiritual journey, right? So it's hard to say, well, you should just do this, right? Because it may it may not make sense to them given where they're at in their in their journey. But for me, it was huge. I mean, it was it was um, kind of that invisible but hugely strong foundation that you know when you're at your kind of lowest in terms of how you were thinking about things, you could always fall back on. And rely on and say, look, okay, I got this. So, um, you know, and, and the visits from the chaplain, I thought to me were really interesting because they asked, at least to me, they would ask questions that inferred I was in a different place than where I was with in my spiritual journey, right? So it was like, okay, um, I get it, but you know, things about are you scared? Are you, you know, are you nervous? Are you mad? And um, you know, none of that was really, for me, an issue, but it is for some people, right? So that's, you know, for me, I always tread carefully there, but um, to people that are, um, you know, spiritual, faith-filled people, I think it's it's probably the most important aspect of building your own kind of mental support system. And, and um, how did this journey kind of change your view on life? Uh, your view on your connection with with God and and how how did that shift you? It it's kind of a wake up call, right? I mean, people, you know, I wasn't very old at the time. I mean, I guess she asked my kids, I was old, but um, you know, forty eight, I think, when I was diagnosed, right? So you know, you're still not thinking in terms of mortality, and once that stares you in the face, it it changes you. Right. And it also gives you a whole new appreciation for 
um, the leverage that faith can bring in your life. So for me, that was huge, right? Because you don't think of it from day to day, right? You practice it, you, you know, maybe reflect on it to some extent, but it isn't anything where you're, you, you know, it's a soul or a primary source of support for most people as they kind of go to the grocery store and do their, live their daily life. But when you're, you know, in the middle of the night sick and you're awake and you're on a IV with chemo and you don't really feel good, you know, it gives you a little chance to reflect on that. So certainly a much greater appreciation for um, the power that faith can bring to, to anyone really. And, and once you've gone through the, you know, all the treatments and mm -hmm. I mean, some, and I hear this a lot, you know, once, once you've, you know, ring that bell and you're, you're done with your treatment, it, it, it's almost, you know, for a lot of people that I hear, it's almost like that is when the real fear kind of kick in. I mean, yeah. meaning that, that now you, you've done all these active things, you kind of leaned in, you're, you're, you know, you've been working hard, you've, you've had a goal and, and you get a goalpost and, and you yeah. kind of move to that goalpost. And, and then all of a sudden, now what, you know, who's there? Where's my team? You know, are they yeah. still checking in on me? Yeah. Where, where did they all go? Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Right. And, and, you know, the, for me, the continuation, it felt like a pretty natural progression, right? I was in the hospital. I'd kind of gone through all these different series of treatments and then they, you know, you visit once a month and you visit once a quarter, then you every six months and then, you know, but you're a hundred percent right. Because that fear creeps back in you, right? Any little thing that you feel in your body. Oh, I wonder what that is. You know, is that something, is it coming back? Right. And for me, I just landed on the, the, the thought of, look, you just have to be fearless, right? Be smart, right? So if there is something going on, catalog it, don't overreact, but go talk to your, whoever your doctor is. If you're still in the cancer treatment system, talk to them, otherwise talk to your general practitioner. But if not, just go, right? Because that can consume people. And I've seen, you know, certainly recovered patients that still, you know, every little thing is, is like, Oh, it's coming back. It's coming back. And uh, I don't think that, at least for me, that's not a productive approach. Right. So I couldn't square it any other way than just, you know, be smart about it. Tell your doctor everything that's going on and then just go. And uh, I, I love I loved in your book where you talk about uh, and and this kind of going back kind of the beginning, yeah. you know, where you said, you know, cue up all funny things, you know, cue up laughter, kind of cue up all the, the, the good stuff. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's important. Right. In, in, in there's studies out there about how laughter helps reduce stress and whatnot, but you know, Lord knows you need it sometimes. And, um, Again, it's one of those things when you're kind of in the in the dumps, that's not your first thing you think of, right? But if you if you say, look, I'm gonna bookmark 20 YouTube videos that are hilarious to me, <laughs> right? And, and have them at the ready and um tell everybody that I have them and then they can remind me to go watch them, then yeah, I mean I think it's a it's a it's a can be a game changer, at least in how you feel in the moment. So Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean the the, the immune system, they, I mean, they see on the, the kind of immune cells, the white blood cells, you know, yeah. they, they have 
receptor sites where neurotransmitters, you know, the different chemicals in your brain can yeah. land into. So, you know, your mood and your emotions will actually guide your immune system and what to do. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, it's such a hugely important part. And yeah. then, I mean, it was so smart. I think you just kind of cue it all up because yeah. like you said, I mean, when, when you're in that space, it's, it's hard to kind of sit there and start to look for YouTube videos oh, uh, or yeah, movies correct. or things. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's awesome. <laughs> well, and everybody else, everybody has a friend who makes them laugh too, right? So have them on speed dial. <laughs> <laughs> and and how, yeah, and, and that's another thing. I mean, how, in, in regards to the people around you and, and you know, how to kind of engage uh, yeah. in social media and then how to, you know, what to look around for and on the internet. I mean, yeah. wh what about all of that? Well, there's a lot of questions there. <laughs> so for me, the social media part and really just dealing with people was the, my first thought, and I'm glad I did it, was kind of going to lockdown, right? Because the the challenge that you have, right, and we're blessed to live in a, a super supportive community. And, um, you know, we know a lot of different people that are always willing to help. And the minute someone hears that you're sick and you have a pretty big challenge ahead of you, everybody wants to help. And, you know, the way I relay it to people is like, there'll be people just coming out of the woodwork that you, you know, you don't really know, but they feel bad and want to help you. And it's just like the stress of having to deal with that sometimes is a lot. So, you know, we kind of went into lockdown. I didn't, I wasn't, a big social media user still aren't in terms of, you know, Hey, here's what's going on in my life. So I don't think, I don't think that is always productive because you'll, you know, one of the things I experienced were people completely well-meaning trying to relate to what I was going through would tell me something that would upset me, you know, and you're like, Oh, you know, I don't, I don't need that. Right. And again, it's one of those things. It's a it's a hard one lesson where. You have to you have to be willing or be strong enough to be selfish. You don't have to be mean about it, but you just look, this is a challenge that's important and I need to go focus all my energies on it. So with regard to the Internet, well, it's a very dangerous place for a cancer patient. Right. So sometimes good helpful stuff otherwise maybe not so much so you know i'm a i say research everything but uh, nothing counts until you talk to your uh, medical practitioner about it right yeah. because they'll steer you um, through some of the the murky stuff out there yeah um, that great and and any other kind of pointers that you feel that we haven't discussed that that are really i mean obviously I mean, it, it's it's all kind of outlined so well in your book, and and I highly recommend everyone to to get your book. But are, you. are there kind of additional pointers that you feel that you feel we should kind of uh, communicate about as well? Yeah. So there was one thing um, we haven't talked about yet, and thanks for doing the research because we kind of walked through the book um, sequentially, but. One thing I think is important is for people to purposefully try and return their life to normal whenever they feel they're able to do it. And it doesn't have to be anything big. 
but just small things, you know, let's say you get up in the morning and you make lunch for your kids before they go to school or you uh, walk around the block, right? Or you walk to the mailbox to get your mail, whatever it is, but you have to challenge yourself to go and start pushing yourself back to your normal life. Because you, some people just get caught up in it, right? And then you're just stuck and you're kind of mired. So, you know, we, I think we've, we've touched on most of the other the other things we talk about. But I think that is important, right? It has to be purposeful. It has to be a bit of a challenge. And you have to be 100% committed to trying to do that, right? Yeah. Then you're yeah. not a patient forever. No, exactly. I, I I agree with you. I mean, that's so important to kind of establish healthy, normal routines um, yeah. so that it, it can kind of drive you over and above, you know, just being stuck in this situation and, yeah. and kind of, yeah, being, yeah, I think that's huge. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I tell people, look, you have a perfect excuse, but don't use it. <laughs> right. And it's true. Right. You feel bad. You're tired. You're great. All great excuses. Don't use them. Just go. So, yeah, that's awesome. Well, Jeff, this has been great. I really appreciate what, you know, what you brought to light. And and that's the thing is that you, when you go through your journey and you look and see what's available information out there, then you kind of recognize that I wish I had this manual ahead of time. And, uh, and, and then, so it's, it's so great that you put that together for people that follow. So, uh, so that that's awesome. Thank well, you. Yeah, thanks for that. And and absolutely thanks for having me uh on board and and a huge fan of all the things that you're looking into, you know, fearlessly in a lot of cases. So thank you for the work you're doing as well. Great. Thank you so much. <laughs> the information this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not designed to diagnose or treat any disease. If you'd like to know more about what my center offers, please visit thecarlfeldcenter.com. Please join us next week for another live consultation with a patient diagnosed with cancer on integrative cancer solutions with Dr. Carl Feldt.